renew your mind, submit to authorities, and pay your taxes. And that's a whole lot harder in the year 2022. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, comments, all the good stuff, and get the gospel out there. Brandon, we are in the last week of the Book of Romans today. Oh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm excited to dive in here to finish us off. We've been going through this book, Romans, which is Paul's explanation of the gospel, his sort of summary def- defense or explanation of the gospel. It's not doesn't have everything in it, I guess you could say, but Many it has most of its theology. And yeah. so far, we've just done a, an absolutely horrible job of summarizing yeah, the content like this of this book. information in the book of Romans and theology, and we've... Yeah, I'd, I'd give us an F plus. That's okay. our grade. Okay. The F because we failed, sure. plus because we tried really hard, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, just to boost our self-esteem a little bit. Yeah. But, man, just, like, how can you cover... It would take years to cover any of this, like even close to adequately. Yeah. So, but we try to give you guys some tools for understanding this. Hopefully, it's been a little bit helpful. We've seen the outline of the book. The first four chapters are the gospel as the righteousness of God by faith. Mm-hmm. Chapters five through eight, the gospel as the power of God for salvation. That section ended with that um, just amazing, you know, soliloquy from the Apostle Paul about the power of God's love and just a a great passage to memorize and to meditate on. And then we saw in chapters 9 to 11 the gospel in Israel. So we saw some some truths about election, but also about how does Israel fit into God's plan? Have they been cut off? We saw no, that God has a plan for Israel in the future. So some really important stuff. That's right. And so now we're in the last section, which is the gospel and the transformation of life. So 12 to the end. And so this is where we get into the more practical section. And again, I use that term kind of hesitantly because theology is practical. But we're talking about, okay, let's get, you know, kind of down to to a ground level and discuss how do we live. So this is more the ethical section, I guess you could say. Very cool. So let's get into chapter 12. Chapter 12. I'm in 1 Corinthians. I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, well, you know, we'll get there. We will get there. I'm excited for 1 Corinthians as well. Chapter 12. So we see the beginning here. There's a transition, a clear transition, right? We, we ended with that doxology mm-hmm. at the end of chapter 11, just an incredible doxology, yep. right? From him and through him and to him are all things. Amazing. And then he, there's this uh, therefore statement. So he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Mm. So whenever we see a therefore, we got to ask the question, what is it there for? Oh, did you see what I did there? Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, there's like just, man, going to Christian school and seminary, you just get like so many cliches. But they do kind of help. That's the crazy oh, thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, therefore. So he's referencing back to everything in the book so far mm-hmm. and saying in light of this gospel, right. how should we live? Right. Well, we should live in, by giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. Right. So we don't, we're not required to give a sacrifice anymore, right? The sacrifice has been made. Mm-hmm. But it's the, the thankful response of a Christian's heart to live your life, to, to be alive, right? Not just to give yourself over, but to be alive and to live every day for God. Right. And that is a spiritual act of worship. Right. And he, he goes on and says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, mm-hmm. that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. So don't be conformed, but be transformed. Right. So conformed would be to be shaped into the image of this world, mm-hmm. which is incredibly easy to do, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, you made the joke of it, it's harder in 2022. Um, I mean, it absolutely is. There's so much of the world coming at us all the time. Yeah. So we can't be shaped um, and, and fit into this image that the world wants us to have, but instead to be transformed into what God is calling us to be. Right, yeah. And the way that transformation happens is by the renewal of your mind. Right. So there's an implied statement of scripture here. Mm-hmm. It's not explicit, but it is implied that scripture, as you're meditating on scripture, um, meeting God through the scripture, your mind will be transformed. I love the Christian focus on the mind. It's not just like I want to feel good and have peace about something, you know, yeah. abstract. You know, the, the Christian walk and the Christian life is all about renewing your mind learning about who God is and learning how to live and, and, you know, willing your, your mind to actually take action in this life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the scripture is shaping you how you think and that shapes how you feel, right. And how you act. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things flow out of scripture, right. We'll see later in second Timothy three, that the word of God is sufficient to equip the man of God for every good work. Right. And the woman of God implied, right. Right. Um, So everyone can be equipped through God's word. And so, we're we're learning his his will. Um, we're testing what what we know, mm-hmm. and in order to live a life that is acceptable for God. That's only two verses in. Yeah, and then he gets into the the function of the church, right? Because this is not something that you're supposed to do alone. That's not the idea yeah. here. Is go out into a mountain and try to run from the world and start to think in you know God's thoughts. But it's something that you do engage in community. Mm-hmm. So we see in verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So God has given you faith. Mm -hmm. So as God has strengthened you and enabled you, now you're called to serve each other. And he gets into the body and the members and how we have different functions in the body. Mm. So this is how we're supposed to function, right? We each have, there's a diversity of gifts, diversity of abilities, and there's a unity in terms of ultimate purpose. Right. So there's one body, that's mm-hmm. the unity, and then the many members, that's the diversity. And we'll see this heavily in, in the book of Corinthians as well. Right. Oh. First Corinthians, we'll get into this a lot. But we each have different gifts, right? Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So again, he's, he's showing here, the gifts you have, the ability you have to come and to bring something of value to serve others is given to you by God's grace. Yeah, It's not anything that you can praise yourself for, right? right. God gets all the credit. And then he goes through a, a list of these things and he's exhorting us to use whether it's prophecy or service or teaching, exhorting, contributing, leading, acts of mercy, all these things, do it as unto God. Do it with a full heart. And do it knowing that God has, has given you grace to be able to do this. Right. Yeah. So we, we see just the, the function of the church here. And I love this truth about the unity and diversity of the body of Christ. Hmm. This is not the world's kind of diversity, right? We live in an age where you'll hire a diversity and inclusion officer at your work, mm-hmm. and he'll say, well, or Keith. Say. Yeah, probably she. <laughs> uh, Keith, your skin is too light. And your last name is very offensive yeah, to us. Very offensive. So we need more people that look different. 
maybe they all think the same. Usually they do, right? They all think the right. same, but if they look different, right. different shapes and sizes, and of course, most important of all, skin color, yeah. then that will show that we are diverse. Yeah. And that's not what the, the Bible is talking about in saying diversity. Right. It's saying that God has, there's unity in terms of faith, in terms of our value in Christ, right. but the, the most important diversity is this diversity of giftings. Right something that's spiritually given that is incredibly significant. Right. So I don't just need someone who looks different than me. That's the world's way of thinking. Yeah, yeah we've checked that box. No, I need someone who has different aspects, aspects of God's grace given to them Right. where they're stronger in certain areas and so they can lift me up mm-hmm. and keep me going. Yeah. You know, like being a leader in the church or, uh, you know, one of the leaders in the church and a teacher in the church, I always think like my role is really so small it's so visible, so people think of it as being a big one, but it's so small when I look at all the different pieces that are needed mm-hmm. and all the people that hold me up mm-hmm. in the work that I'm doing. Man, I would be nothing without the people that serve alongside of me. Right. And if you th- miss that for a second, you're a fool, yeah. right? Yeah, and I mean, it works the other way too. I mean, obviously, you're like trying not to fool your own character, but also the people under you wouldn't be doing what they're doing without the leadership of good pastors. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, there's this give and take, and that's yeah. exactly how the body functions, right? The head would just be rolling on the ground right. if it wasn't for all the support yeah. that it has. So yeah, and then the greatest, our greatest head is Christ, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and he speaks to us through his word, and so yeah, it's a, it's a happy family, God's people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's what we're supposed to be. <laughs> so and then let's go down to verse twenty one. So it kind of ends this oh, whole you, section. Wait, you missed verse nine where it says abhor what is evil. I think. We yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. So we have what well, we have in abhor what is that's a, that's an interesting. We could talk a lot about that. Um, but verses nine to to the end is really just this rapid fire list of commands that exemplify God's people. Mm-hmm. And there's there's so many good ones that we could you know whole sermons could could be preached on and should be preached on. And there's a lot of echoes here of. Old Testament and uh, the Gospels, you know, you kind of hear the echoes of the words of Christ. So he's he's informing, um, you know, what he's saying from the rest of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But then I, lo- I just love the the ending here. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm. I love that. It's such an encouraging statement. And you know, for me, I'm like, wait, is that even is that possible? You know, is that a possible thing that the evil in this world can eventually be overcome by good? And yeah, that's what the Scripture says yeah. that. We, we need to repay evil with good, mm-hmm. be kind to those who hate us, and that that actually is a powerful act. And mm-hmm. so we trust God in that, not understanding always how that works. Yeah, and then Christ, Christ is in us, and we'll be learning that as we go here through the New Testament. But yeah, Christ is in us, and that is the power by which we can actually overcome evil. Yeah, so, and that's not some yeah. sort of like political, empty political strategy. Yeah. That is a, uh, that's bounded or based upon hope in God, yeah. that God is going to fix the things wrong in this world. And so you can have a peace in how you deal with it. I mean, we're always talking about the new thing in the world that's just messed up or the new sign of how messed up the world is. But we have hope because it's not up to us to fix it. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's get into chapter 13. <clears throat> Great. Let's talk about politics a little bit. Oh. What everyone wants to talk about. This chapter. Well, I think statistically that is true these days. Yeah. I mean, everything's political. Yeah, <laughs> politics is taking over everything. So, yeah. uh, so it's kind of unavoidable. But this chapter isn't designed to give a comprehensive understanding of government. It's not meant to cover every topic. So the scripture has different places we can look to for that. But it gives us some great foundations yep. for how to view government. Mm-hmm. So verse verse one: Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So that's a big deal. What it's saying here is Christians aren't violent revolutionaries. Right. It's not our job to overthrow the system, right? To to say, well, that person is against God in this or that way, so we have to replace them with someone else. What about the um, American Revolution? That well, we, we could talk about that. That'd be great. That'd be a great video, actually. Uh, American Revolution. Yeah, Mueller did a thing in public on this. It's quite interesting if you want to check it out. But. Yeah, and if you are pro American Revolution. Um, just think about the fact that you pay many times more in taxes than they did. They yeah. they were rebelling over a five percent tax, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, can you imagine if taxes were only five percent? That's that'd crazy. Be, it'd be amazing. Yeah. No, I think like things like because I mean we can seem contradictory if we you know are like oh look we're proud of our country but like they also there were some evil things that happened in the American Revolution right but that started as a petition to plead with you know the you know, governments in England to not charge us so many taxes. Yeah. To let us live freely as we are. So it started in, in peace, right? Yeah. So and I think the cool. doctrine of the lesser magistrate is very important in that mm-hmm. conversation too, which we don't really have time to get into right now. But Tangents. That's great. Yeah. But, but Christians honor authority. That's kind of one of the right. basics here, yeah. right? So that goes back to, I mean, the beginning, but the Ten Commandments, right? The Fifth <clears throat> Commandment of, you know, honor your father and your mother, so you are obedient to those in authority starting at, at home. Right. That command has much broader reference than just to your parents. Right. It has to do with how we relate to authority, generally speaking. And so we are supposed to honor and submit to authority. Yeah. And we see that here, right? This it shows that we have a responsibility in regards to the government. But this passage also shows us what the government's responsibility is. Right, yeah. And that's it really teaches us, for us today. Yeah. yeah, it teaches us some things about the government. So one thing is that the government is appointed by God. Right, so verse two: Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. So God is in control of the government, and so if we think we can again have a revolution to overthrow the government, um, then we're actually going against God. So we have to be really careful about this and thoughtful. But we see here that there's some spheres of authorities that government has. Government's not in charge of everything. Right. It, it never was designed to be in charge of everything. That's right. not in scripture. There's obviously dictators want to be in charge of everything, but not not designed by in scripture. So we see of that that they are to approve of good behavior and to punish bad behavior. Verse three: right. For rulers not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Who would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. You might be thinking that's not really that true all the time in America. Or well, historically at all, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely historically. Yeah. But even in, in our country, which right. has been so great for, for so long, this that's not the reality always. So approve of good behavior, punish bad behavior, and we see bear the sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We see that um, for, verse 4, For he is God's servant for your good. For if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Mm-hmm. So bearing the sword, most people agree that it deals with capital punishment specifically and probably warfare too. Mm-hmm. Bearing the sword, having the authority to take life in very limited specific uh, areas, right? Yeah, murder, um, whatever. And then we also see uh, that you should pay taxes, right? Verses six and seven. So there's there are some Thanks. areas, uh, some spheres here, but I think we have to be clear of Christians should be willing, should willingly submit to authorities that are in their proper place. Mm-hmm. And they should kindly and civilly speak up against authorities that are not in their proper place. Right. Um, there's, there's, we know this instinctively, even that we should resist the misuse of authority. 
Right. So to take a really extreme example, if a police officer, that's an authority, right? Police officer tries to force someone to uh, engage sexually with them, mm-hmm. we would all say, well, that person, that police officer is in the wrong. You should resist. You have every right to resist. Right. Well, but why? If Romans 13 says we should submit, mm-hmm. well, how do we deal with that? Well, we know that the police officer's role does not extend to those sorts of things, right? right? He has a very limited role. Right. And so we say, well, you're, you're abusing that. You're misusing that. Right. And of course, it's true for government at large as well, right? On, on the big scale, mm-hmm. the government does not have a right over every aspect of our lives. Right. And so when they infringe upon those things, we should, again, do it civilly, not violently, but we should push back and say, no. Think about a few examples from Scripture, right? I'm sure many come to mind for you. Mm-hmm. But think of the midwives disobeying Pharaoh. Yeah. So Pharaoh tells them to kill the children. They say, they lie, they lie, but they don't do it, right? They disobey. So we see an example of avoiding a clear evil, which is don't murder. So government can't command you to engage in evil actively. Yeah, or we just read through Acts, right? So the apostles were asked to not preach the gospel and by authorities. Yeah. And then what they do? They went out and preached the gospel. Yeah. They had commanded them to so do that. here you have the opposite, right? Or the, the inverse, right? Of... The, the government can't tell you not to do a good thing that God has commanded you to do. Right. So if God has clearly commanded it, the government can't tell you not to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if Daniel praying to God is another example. Oh yeah. Don't challenging. don't pray to God. Pray to the king. <laughs> yeah. And then he went to the window. He did it yeah. boldly and openly. Yeah. Um, so we see these different examples, and we say that we can apply these to our own circumstances. But mm-hmm. our general posture is we want to, I want to submit to the government. Oh, yeah. Man, when the government started shutting down churches and I knew it was going to be longer than just two weeks, I was like, I really want to submit to the government. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a point where you can't submit to that because, you know, I mean, two years in in some places, governments are still, we're still, I don't know about now, but they were requiring, you know, about two years in that churches to be shut down. Yeah, It's like, well, at some point you you need to disobey that. Right, you can't just do that forever. Well, because you're in, in trying to be obedient to authorities, you're being disobedient to God, and that's yes, better. because that is yeah. commanded, right? Yeah. Just like preaching the gospel, just like praying. Right. So you can't just not do that right. indefinitely. Yeah. Um, or another example, Acts 16, where Paul is preaching, and he gets arrested, and then he gets taken out of town, mm-hmm. and he basically says, "No, the government. I'm a citizen. The government needs to come and escort me out of town." Right. He he makes it might seem disrespectful. But what he's doing there is he's saying, you have a law that you need to follow. Right. And, gov- and Christians should do that. They should say, uh, in America, we could say we have the Constitution. You are bound as a public official. You take an oath to obey and honor the Constitution. Right. So that's a higher authority. You need to follow that. Right. And so I think we should use those things. Yeah. It's not disrespectful. Yeah. And a challenge and to say, I don't know if this is constitutional. I want you to prove it to me. That's not rebellious. Right. That's, that's, I think it can be um, honoring and submitting to the government because you're looking at the entire picture. Yeah, great. So, Love it. So no serious Christian would argue that the government should be allowed to do whatever it wants. But I do think that some Christians recently have kind of used this to just say, you can't argue about anything right. just as a universal asset or something. Yeah, yeah, I know. So just, just to be clear. Um, but let's get, let's get into chapter 14. These, this is the weaker brother passage. And we see this in First Corinthians as well. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians kind of goes into, I guess, a little more depth. This is a little bit different angle, actually, yeah. in First Corinthians eight. But uh, Romans fourteen, don't pass judgment. So he's going to deal here with matters of conscience. So how do you how do you deal with something where 
something is not right or wrong, but someone that you know or someone who's present is offended by something. Right. How do, how do you deal with that? Um, so this is not about, just to be clear, this is not about clear areas of sin. Mm-hmm. This is about areas where the Bible doesn't directly speak. Yeah, like clear areas of sin like um, drinking alcohol and smoking tobacco would be clearly sinful. Yeah. <laughs> Ma- making pipes and selling them on, via uh, the Instagrams. That uh, would be clearly sinful. Mm, Who would do such a thing? I don't know. I actually had some of the kids uh, from, the, from the college be like, do you know Keith is making pipes? Hashtag soul pipes. Check it out. <laughs> do you actually use that hashtag? Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I'd explain to them like kind of, yeah, again, a weaker brother thing of like, yeah, so you can do, you can engage in like drinking alcohol, but you can't get drunk. So the Bible's clear about that. Mm. But, you know, people have different viewpoints and that's, that's a real thing. And it's probably less today than it was previously with that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. here he's going to address the observant, observance of certain festivals and dietary restrictions. Right. No. So should you be doing these things? And you can understand how these would be significant for Jews who had just come to faith in Jesus and don't know how to eat shellfish. The Gentiles are like, what's the big deal? We're free in Christ. Uh, I've never done those things. Who cares? We weren't weren't told to do those things. But the Jews, like their whole life, they've been doing that. They've equated that with holiness. So how do you challenge? I would think of the church. Yeah. Yeah. So we probably have that going on here. And the, you can skip to the end and see the final verse is the standard, which is, he says at the end, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing something for the right motives, then that's sinful. So God cares not just what you do, but also your motive behind it, why you're doing Crazy, it. Yeah. And so if you're doing something, believing it to be wrong, then for you it's wrong. Mm. So that's an interesting principle we'll see here. But the first section, verses 1 to 12, he's saying don't judge each other in what you allow yourself to do. Mm. So he introduces in verse 1 the one who's weak in faith, right? Verse 1, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So you don't need to fight over these details that are not laid out in Scripture. Verse 2, one person believes he made anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. So we see here that vegetarians are weak, which yeah. we've we've already known. Right? <laughs> no, he's, he's not talking about physically weak because you don't get enough protein. you got to eat lots of legumes or something. No, he's talking about this a spiritual weakness here in thinking that you have to do these things as Christians right. that, are not, that are not said in Scripture. Right. That's the weaker mindset. And so what? why should we not judge each other? Because verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Mm. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Mm-hmm. So you you have a ma- same master. He has to answer to God. Let God deal with that. Mm-hmm. Let God deal with that. If you can't quote chapter and verse, you, you should be really careful to go and confront someone right. and to say that this is a sin. So in the second section, though, verses 13 to 23, he says, don't, not just don't judge each other, but don't be a stumbling block mm-hmm. to each other. Yeah. So, okay, so you can do whatever you want with the, in these areas that are you know, not said in Scripture on your own. If you want to eat meat or not, if you want to f- celebrate that festival or not, but how do you deal with someone when they're in your presence? Mm-hmm. And the principle here is do what will help the person next to you not sin mm. and not stumble. So if yeah. they're weaker than you, then you need to be gracious to them and just avoid those things. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're wanting to have alcohol and someone, you know, at your house is you know, alcoholic and struggles with that, maybe just don't do that. Yeah. But uh, one thing I want to point out here is being a weaker brother is not a good thing. Like being weaker <laughs> is not good. So right. we shouldn't pride ourselves upon making other people accommodate us. Right. 
but we should be gracious if we are stronger with accommodating and caring for those who are weaker. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So we see the principle, verse 13, let, let therefore let us not pass judgment um, on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So that's the principle, right? Don't put a stumbling block in front of somebody else. Right. Or verse 19, a good principle as well. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Yeah. So if meat is the issue or wine is the issue, just avoid it for that time, and then you can do what you want to do in private. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should take into consideration how this affects someone else and their yeah. immaturity in the faith. I think just great basic wisdom. Care for yeah. your brothers and sisters in Christ and care about the important things. Don't care about the unimportant things. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Have exactly. unity on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Have unity on what the resurrection is and how you're saved and all those things and contend for those things. But this other stuff, care for each other and, and yeah. Yeah, be at peace and have a good conscience. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and and I think uh, yeah. So verse twenty three kind of sums it up again. Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So there we have the the principle, right? If you're doubting what you eat, if you're doubting if it's right or wrong, then you need to avoid it until you can get clear instruction from Scripture mm-hmm. and have confidence that it's the it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right, that your conf- conscience is not being afflicted by that, and the conscience is a powerful thing that God gives to us mm-hmm. to help us to avoid sin. And so, yeah. if we ignore it, if we are searing it constantly, we're going to do damage to ourselves and to our ability to be sharp and vigilant against real sins. Right. So, we have to listen to that and be careful. Um, so, we can kind of wrap up the book here. So, chapter fifteen, Paul speaks again to his to the importance of his mission to the Gentiles. We won't get into that, but um, he kind of refocuses at the end here about how that's been the plan of God for, for since the Old Testament, right? He's always wanted to reach the Gentiles and how his mission is going to be to the Gentiles. And then in chapter 16, we see his greetings, his personal remarks at the end here. And I, I love it. I love just this list of people who are important to Paul, who've supported Paul, like whenever you read a chapter like this, you just can see so clearly how Paul depended on so many people. Mm-hmm. And you don't always get a window into that because Paul seems to be this guy who's kind of this lone maverick right. acting on his own. But he had tons of support and tons of encouragement right. from other people. He had funding and prayer and um, you know fellow workers, all this stuff. So pretty awesome to see the, 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 those final remarks and then this, uh, this doxology, which I'll end with here. Now to him, this is verse 25, Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writing has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see him wrapping together all the things in this book. Right, the the gospel, the uh, the obedience of faith. Right, he's bringing these themes back together and praying that God would be the one who would do this in our hearts. Yeah. So we just see so clearly at the end of end of Romans how the gospel that he's proclaiming is not just a truth that is detached from reality or that brings us into God's favor. It gives us righteousness in an abstract form only, but also gives to us the ability to live for God, mm, yeah. and that therefore we should it should change everything about how we live. Amen. Renew your mind, huh? That's right. 
Thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel. That concludes the Book of Romans, and we'll see you next week for the Book of Corinthians.